0: Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30am Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Good morning, everyone. And um, thank you again for allowing me to come and speak to you. Thank you for those prayers and thank you for the worship. So we are in Psalm 23, and I'm going to like take off where I left. So if you got great memory, that's awesome. If you don't, you can go back on YouTube and watch in mid-January because this is part two. Let's see if this will work for me. Nope. So I'll just point. So, oh, did it work? So amateur up here. Like when, when I come, it's like amateur hours forever. Sorry about that. I'm sure Dave will do a better job. So um, we said that shepherds were leaders, feeders, and meeting all needers. Uh, a shepherd leads and feeds, and he meets all needs. And we, we talked about leading, and we spoke about how the shepherd will lead from the back how he is um, asserting his will on the flock to move them to somewhere safe, to where the the shepherd wants them to go. And we spoke about how the shepherd leads from in front, where he gets in front of the flock, and the flock follows the shepherd. And we're going to speak about how he leads at our side, how he leads us together when we're walking. And I want to just share a quick story about what this would look like If you've been to a hospital, you know how confusing that will be. And there are two types of guides at the hospital. You'll come to a nurse's station and you will ask the staff, how do I get to this diagnostic department? How do I get here? How do I get there? You have two people. One nurse will say to you, okay, see those doors? Go through those doors turn right. As you're going down the corridor, make the second left. As you make your second left, you're going to come to some doors. Go through those doors, make the second right. And then as you're going, on your left, there's going to be a phone. Pick the phone up and call them, and that's where you're supposed to be. That's guidance. The way the shepherd guides us in the valley. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Is the nurse that says, come with me. I'll take you there. I'll walk with you there. I'll show you how to get there. Walk with me. That's how the shepherd leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. You are traveling with me. You are going with me. Valley in the Bible, just, just to some clarify, sorry, let's pause for a second. Are you quick? Am I doing it or are you doing it? it it's sporadic. It's sporadic. Okay, I'm just going to point because it's kind of like throwing me off. All right. So I'm going to lean on my tech people. They will guide me. They will walk with me through this valley. So in Scripture, valley literally means valley, but obviously it's a metaphor too, right? The Bible talks about a whole bunch of different valleys. And one of the things that we make the mistake of is that when things are going well, that we think that God's the God of the mountaintops, but he's not the God of the valleys. He is the God of the valley. As a matter of fact, he wants you to get used to valleys. Because he, he meets with us there, and he does a lot of his work there. Valleys are inevitable parts of life. Bad things don't happen to you because you're a bad person. Bad things happen to you because you're a person. Valleys are inevitable for everyone. And so there's only three categories of life. You are heading into a valley right now. You don't know it. Everything looks great. Nothing's wrong. But unbeknownst to you, you're going into a valley. Or, you're coming out of a valley. You've been through a dark time, you've been through treatments, you've been through family destruction, you've been through illness, you've been through financial burdens, and now you're coming out the other side. Or, you're in a valley. This morning, right now, you're in a valley. And unfortunately, you can't prepare for the valley. They're unpredictable. The timing of a valley is complete. You can't say, "Okay, now I'm rested. God, I'm ready for the valley. Now I have enough saved up. I'm ready for that valley. Now um, I've paid off all my debts. And now my, my children's lives can blow up, and I can help them. I'm ready for the valley. Valleys are a natural part of life and they're unpredictable. The timing's unpredictable, but the types of valleys that you and I will go through are known to God. They're known to the biblical authors. And there are a few valleys I want to kind of share with you to help you see where you're at. Don't be surprised when you are tested by troubles or painful sufferings as if something unusual is happening to you. When we're in the valleys, we're not to be surprised, we're not to be taken off guard, but we are supposed to name the valley, recognize where we're at, and then turn to the Lord. What valley are you in? There's four valleys I want to talk about this morning from the Old Testament. The first valley is the Valley of Sidon, the Valley of Sidom. I won't ask. In Genesis chapter 14, there are five armies who are oppressing. Sorry, there are four armies that are oppressing these five groups. And the five armies and the four armies get together and have this big, giant battle in the valley of Siddim. You might remember that some, one the, the place that was being oppressed was Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot, A- Abram's nephew, was in the losing side. And these, these armies have this battle, and the fourth army overruns the fifth army in the, ba- in the valley of Siddam. And it says here in verse 10, now this valley was full of sticky tar pits. And when the king of Sodom and Gomorrah tried to run away from the battle, they slipped, they fell, they got stuck in these pits. And so the invaders plundered the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They took everything that they had, and they captured Abraham's nephew Lot, who also lived in Sodom. The point I want you to see that in this particular valley, they fell in these tar pits, and this valley represents Failure. This valley represents failure. One of the valleys that we find ourselves in is that when we get stuck, when we develop a habit or an addiction, when we slip and fall because we're trying to run away from a responsibility, we're trying to run away from a reality in our life, and we are just failing, and it's embarrassing. And people publicly see that you're not doing well. People publicly recognize that your family is falling apart. And there's embarrassment. And there's all sense of rejection. And you're ashamed. And you it's failing. You're failing. And there's no other way to explain it. D- despite your best efforts, you've fallen in the pit. This is the Valley of Siddam. What's your greatest failure? Are you living that right now? Think about that, because we're going to come back to these valleys. The next valley that I want to talk about is the Valley of Eschol. This is the Valley of Fear. This is a very well-known story. Moses has just liberated the Israelites, and he sends the 12 spies to the Valley of Eschol, of abundance, but instead of Seeing opportunity, they see obstacle and they become afraid. The 12 spies go out, they come back, two say we can do it, but 10 say there's no way." The people in that valley, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. And so Escol, it was supposed to be a valley of abundance, is actually a valley of fear for the Israelites because they're slaves. They're still in their mind slaves, and so they have this inferiority complex. And so this valley of Eskwil represents fear. It represents the inability to move ahead, the inability to trust. You would rather have dress rehearsals in your mind about the worst-case scenarios than to move forward with God because you're afraid. You have to face your fears. If you don't face your fears, you're going to retreat, and if you retreat, you're going to get stuck in the valley. How do you know if you're in this valley? answer this question in your heart. The biggest obstacle, the biggest challenge, the things that keep you up at night, do you see them as opportunities for God to work, or do you see them as obstacles? as pitfalls that are unmovable and unassailable. If you keep thinking about the same thing and worrying about the same thing, you're in the valley of Eskol. You're in the valley of fear, of fear. The next valley is the valley of Elah. The valley of Elah is where David met Goliath. The Valley of Elah is where David met Goliath. The Philistines come up against the Israelites, and then the Israelites are on one side, and Goliath steps out of the group and begins to call down curses on God. And instead of standing up and embracing this conflict, they all become fearful. Elah is the Valley of Conflict. It is a place where we find ourselves in conflict and opposition and fighting with our spouses. Some of our marriages are in the Valley of Elah, some of our marriages are in conflict, some of our relationships with our teens are in conflict. There are teens who want to be heard, who want to be understood who want their parents to hear them, but they're all they feel is conflict. All they feel is that they're pushing a boulder up a hill with their parents, and it breaks their heart. Are you in opposition with somebody? Is there something that's happening in your life where there's going to be loggerheads that are coming? If you are in that position, you may be in the Valley of Conflict." These are all valleys. And the last one is the most obvious. It is the Valley of Baca. It is the Valley of Weeping. It is grief. It is despair. It is depression. Everyone who wanted to go to Jerusalem had to go through the Valley of Baca, through the Valley of Weeping to get to Jerusalem. And the thing was, it's called the Valley of Weeping, but it's an arid and dry place. It's an arid and dry place. Psalm 84 says this about it. Even though it's dry, even though it's arid, it says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem when they walk through the Valley of Weeping it will become a place of refreshing springs. Why? Because when you weep with faith, it gives birth. It fertilizes everything. When we weep, when we cry with our faith, with trusting God, those tears bring life to our hearts. We're able to traverse, we're able to go on, but we'll all find ourselves in this place, this valley of weeping, of depression, of loss, and of grief. These four valleys I mentioned are universal. They'll happen to everyone. If they haven't happened to you already, you should be thanking God, but it's coming. How do you walk through these valleys? How do you walk through failure? How do you get caught looking at pornography and keep, and keep moving forward? How do, you, how do you fight with your wife or you fight with your husband constantly and then come to church and there's conflict in the marriage and you don't know how to resolve it? You're in this valley. Or you're fearful. You're afraid for what's going to happen. You're afraid about the future. You're afraid about what's going to happen. How do we walk these valleys? How do we grieve? How do we weep? First, remember, I'm not alone. God is with me. This sounds so trite. Excuse me as I spill water on myself. This sounds so trite. It's not. This is actually what this shadow is all about. See, next slide. Even though I walk through the valley... See, all the valleys I just mentioned to you, they're all temporary. Every single valley I mentioned, even the valley of the shadow of death, which is actually a valley, a core, it's an actual valley that David was probably in, that when the sun was overhead, the valley was so dark that it was 800 feet high on the cliff sides. And the only time there was light is when it was noon, Any other time during the day, the valley was pitch black. Even though I walk through the valley, you're going to a place, you're not staying in the valley, you're going through, it's temporary. I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. In the Psalm, we see He will lead me, beside still waters, He will guide me. He will preside by. But now there's something different happening. It's almost It goes from third person that you are with me. You're, you're actually with me. You're walking with me through this valley. Remember, you're not alone. Next slide. And remember, it's a shadow of death. Next slide. Have you ever been hit by a shadow of a truck? How did it go? Broken bones no that's the nature of a shadow the nature of a shadow is that it usually represents something that's much bigger than it actually is and has no effect on us when we walk through the shadow of death it's a shadow but i want to point out the most important thing about this verse what do we need for a shadow we need an object but what else do we need a light When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, our attention's on the shadow. Our attention's how big it is. Our attention's how dark it is. But if we would just turn around. Next slide. Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How do we walk through we turn around. When we're facing the shadows, we turn around and we see the light. We feel the light. We embrace the light. We say, There's the light. Jesus, there you are. The Bible says that God is light and in him is no darkness. When we are afraid, when we're depressed, when we're thinking about death, we prayed for people who are in hospice and they're facing this. It's not a theory. We don't have to be afraid we can go to the light we can turn to the light the next point is we remember first that god is with us we're not alone and we remember that god has a good purpose for my valleys your valley of failure although it's very very painful and very very embarrassing is god saying to you turn around i'm here You failed because you didn't walk with me, but you can. Our fears are opportunities for us to go to him and say, I am actually afraid of this. I'm actually fighting. I'm in conflict with this person. I don't want to be in conflict. I don't want to be fighting with my parents. I don't want to be fighting with my spouse. Help me. Humble me in this conflict. Help me to weep properly. Remember, the valley is always, always, always has a purpose. Next slide. In Romans 5, three to five, Paul says this, we can even rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering, and I highlighted, produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and this hope does not disappoint us, because our shadows, sorry, our valleys are for a purpose. Our valleys are meant to form us and to make us like Christ. Our valleys help us to reorient our pain, reorient our confusion, reorient our doubt, reorient our depression to the light. It's meant to produce something. Let me read you some. For me, for me, this is just me. These are. I can't imagine saying these things as a parent. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So. I'm going to tell you what these people, so I'm going to read, so Rick Warren, he's a pastor in California, his oldest, one of his sons committed suicide, struggled with mental health for years and years and committed suicide. And this is what he says about his valley. He says, I learned stuff in his death that I would never have learned any other way. Spending hours and hours alone with God for 122 days after my son died. The stuff I learned in the valley of the shadow of death, I would not have learned any other way. God uncovers deep things out of darkness. God uncovers deep things out of darkness. That is a picture of Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's a Christian musician. Some of you may know the story, but they had an adopted child, and their one of their oldest child ran over her in their driveway, and that child died. And this is what he says in an interview with a Christian Christianity Today: Jesus tells us in this world we'll have trouble. It's a fact, but when he says, take heart because I've overcome the world, he's saying that there's another story being told that we don't always see. He goes on to say, frankly, if I didn't believe that, if I didn't believe there was another story being told, if I didn't think there was something redemptive about my pain, if I didn't think there was something redemptive about my failure and my fears and my conflict, if I didn't believe that, I would be an extremely bitter, bitter, angry man my little girl's death underlined and solidified what I knew and believed because it made it more real don't we hear the opposite this terrible thing happened and now I'm not a Christian anymore this terrible things happening and there cannot be a God listen when you're in the valley and the Lord's walking with you, and the shadows are around you, when you turn to Him, when you turn to the light, these are the things that you begin to see and believe, that you understand deep in your heart, that there is redemption, that there is something that I can hold on to. God, He says, that's the quote on here, I'm going to trust and worship you, and it's not because there's an audience watching. I'm going to bless your name whether you give or you take away. Hosea 2.15 says, next slide, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. I will transform the valley of Accor into a gateway of hope, into a place where you can walk through the valley of despair, of trouble, and you can come out the other side hope. Why? Because the valley produced. It produced perseverance character, and then hope. Lastly, remember that the reward lasts longer than the pain. Every single Christian throughout every single generation followed this train of thought. Remember that the reward will always last longer than the pain. Second Corinthians 417 says our present troubles are quite small and they won't last very long yet they are producing in us an eternal glory that will last forever and is greater than anything that we can imagine this is paul talking after he just finishes saying that he thought he was going to die he thought it was the end. He'd never been through anything. Like, it was the stomach flu times 10, like the power of 10. Like, he thought that this was it for him. And it wasn't. It wasn't. He processed that on the other side of the valley and said, that valley, is bad as it is, the conflict, as bad as it is, the failure, as bad as, as it is, the fears. In the pain, the tears, as bad as it is, it's nothing compared. Nothing compared. When we're in valleys, when we're in the thick of things, we become very pagan, very unchristian. So I'm going to end with this. In 1 Kings, in 1 Kings chapter 20, now, In the Old Testament, battles were like Major League Baseball, okay? There was, in the spring, the kings went out to war, and in Major League Baseball, they go out to play ball. In that day, the Syrians outnumbered the Israelites 32 nations to one the last year, the year before. The Syrians are feeling, feeling like the Maple Leafs. So they're 32 to 1. They should be winning. They should have won. They didn't win. And they're going, what happened? What happened to us? And then somebody in the army goes, you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Their God, their God is the God of the hills. And you can, you can read this on your own. First Kings chapter 20. Their God's the God of the hills, but if we get them in the valleys, right, you can hear the speech. If we get, you know, if we get them in the boards, if we, you know, we tie it, you know, we'll win. We'll win. Because there is no God. Their God's not in the valleys. And that's what we think when we're in our valleys. We think there's no God here. There's no God here. When I failed publicly and when I'm in violent conflict with people, when I'm being shunned by people. God says this, because the Syrians think that I'm only the God of the hills and not that I'm the God of the valley, I'm going to give you victory over this huge army so everyone will know that I am the Lord. Do you want to know why you're going to get through the valleys? Because he's the God of the valley. And he's the Lord. And he's going to give victory to you when you're faithful, when you respond faithfully, when you respond humbly, when you're obedient, when you're broken. When he's leading you, when he's leading from the back, you're going, I submit. When he's leading from the front, I'm coming with you. And when he's around you in your in all those dark places and shadowy places, you're with him. I'm going to give you victory so that everyone will know I'm the Lord. I'm the Lord. Will you make him Lord? My last valley, Joel 3.14, two slides down. Multitudes, yes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Every time we get into the valley, it's a valley of decision. Will I turn to the light that's, that's creating it? Will I turn to God with my marriage? Will I turn to God with my relationship with my parents? Will I turn to God when I'm caught stealing or embezzling with my company? Will I come clean? Will I become a person of integrity? Will I take my grief to the Lord? When I'm mourning, will I go alone or will I involve other people in the church? What will I choose in this valley of decision? What are you going to choose? Because I'm going home and you're going home and some of you are going home to valleys. And what will you choose? The Lord says, some of you were in chains and in bondage, in dark and gloomy places, but then you called on him, you called on the name of the Lord, and he broke your chains and he set you free and he rescued you. And so now you're obligated to say, thank you, God, forever and ever amen. Psalm 117. That's a choice. You can worship in the valley. And if you've just come through a valley and you know someone's in a valley, then you should wait for them and be cheering them on. And you go into the valley, you tell them, this is an end. This ends. This isn't forever. This period in your marriage, this time with your children, this time in your treatment, this ends. It doesn't go on forever, you can do it. The Lord's with you, we're with you, we're a family, right, if you've come through. And if you haven't been there yet, if you haven't gone through your valley yet, prepare, build on the rock, turn to the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you that you are the God of the valley and that you have a purpose for us there, Lord. I just pray for my brothers and sisters who are there. And I know how disorienting and confusing and frustrating and painful that is. But Lord, would you help us to trust you, to lean on you because you've not only promised to be with us in the valley, but to lead us through the valley and to protect us, protect our hearts, protect our minds and protect our wills while we're there. And thank you that it is short-lived and that you are leading us through. Would you increase our faith so that we would trust in that? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.